Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Awesome. Hey, well, today we're continuing our series entitled Better, 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 Better. We were, we've been looking at uh, the book of John where Jesus says, I have come to give you life and really life to the fullest. Well, I want you to experience, abun- one, one uh, uh, version says abundance. And we've been talking about what does it look like to tap into that abundance that Jesus is talking about, that better thing that he has for us. And so according to scripture, we looked at what does it mean to have better relationships? How does, how does Jesus uh, 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 want my marriage to look like, to be? How, how, does, how does he want me to experience better emotional health. And so we, we looked at these different things. Last week, we talked about how do we have better stewardship in our lives for all the, the gifts. We talked about how everything that, that we have is really just on loan from God. We don't own anything. We serve a gracious God, a loving God who says, I want you to take this and, and use it to better yourself and better your families and your communities. And so we talked about stewardship. By the way, if you've missed any of this series, you can catch it online at our website uh, and our podcast. And uh, so we just make that available to you today. Today, I want to talk about a subject that um, I don't know. It's not the most popular subject. It's not the subject that everyone gets excited about. And in fact, to help me out, just to kind of uh, break the ice, I'm going to do it by having my dog help me out. Yeah, my dog, I think I have a picture of him. Um, his name is Rolly. And uh, do we have that picture of my dog? No? Maybe so? Maybe so. Anyway, well, he's a cockapoo. And he's a big, shaggy dog. He's got hair everywhere. And, and he's such an awesome dog. And, and uh, you know, I got the dog a few years back for my kids, right? I mean, I love dogs, but like, I don't have to have one. You know what I'm talking about? But my kids really wanted a dog. And so I got the dog for my kids. But I don't know, the dog really took a liking to me. You know, like the dog literally follows me around the house. It, it, I mean, it, it sits by me while I'm watching TV. When I, it, it's pretty cool. I pull up in the driveway and he's up on the thing. You don't, you don't like that's the kind of dog you want. That's like looking out, waiting for you, and you know, just you know, doing this whole thing. And you come in and he's spinning. Does anyone have a dog like that that loves you that much? Right? This is there. He is right there. He's shaggy, rolly. and uh, you know, he, uh, he he just loves me so much. And you know, springtime in my neighborhood. We have these little critters called rabbits, right? And, and, and every once in a while, you'll just see them take off across the driveway. Or, and we kind of live in a wooded area a little bit, so we, we get a lot of rabbits. And, you know, Roly, uh, those rabbits frustrate him. Do you know what I'm talking about? He's, uh, he, he feels obligated to uh, chase the rabbits. You know, you know what I mean? And so it's funny because, uh, you know, he'll, I'll, I'll hear him, you know, kind of like in the living room, like go, and I'm like, oh, there must, there must be rabbits out there, right? And so sure enough, I'll see one take off across the driveway. And so just the other night, like literally it just happened the other night, I was, uh, you know, uh, right by the door and I said, 
Rolly, do not chase the rabbits. Because there's cars and stuff, and there's this area across the street where there's like thistles, and like he runs in there and just gets covered in this stuff. You know what I'm talking about? And comes back, and I got to pick it all out of that crazy hair, you know? And so I said, don't you do it. And I, and I, rem- I remember that I, I, I had the door kind of open like this, and he was just like, like totally just like, 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 like just like, like he's just fighting it. Like he, he just, he was, he was just totally like, he's literally shaking and he's sitting there just like, and I'm like, don't, don't even think about chasing the rabbit. Right. And he just like, he almost kind of said yes, but he was just like in convulsions because he was just, he was just, he was just trying, he was just trying to control himself so hard. Right. And, and literally I said, don't do it. Don't do it. And he just, and, and all, I literally just turned my back and headed in this direction and boom, that, that dog was gone. I mean, whoosh, whoosh. I mean, just took off down the street. This rabbit came and where did he go? Whoosh, right into this wooded area. And I'm like, oh my goodness, he's going to get all the sticker bushes and the whole thing. And you know what? He didn't catch the rabbit. You know what? In fact, he's never caught the rabbit. I'm like, you've never caught the rabbit, man. Why do you keep chasing those rabbits? You know you're not going to do it, but there's just something inside of him that he can't help it. And sure enough, Rolly comes trekking back. He's covered in the stuff. He's just kind of like, you know, comes in. I'm like, all right, come here, man. And because I guess I love this dog so much, I spend the next 10 minutes picking out all of those little thistles in his hair. Today I want to talk about this subject, self-control. I don't want to talk about that. (laughs) Can we skip this one? (laughs) Just write that down. Self-control. Self-control. Because I I feel like those of you who are followers of Jesus in here, or, or those of you maybe who even have a religious background, it's almost, it's almost like when you hear the word self-control, the, the scenario of Roly and the master pop into your mind, right? Because how many of you know, we, we all have rabbits in our life, don't we? There, there, there's always that, those, and, and, there, and there, it's not just once. I mean, there's rabbits all day long. They're sprinting across the driveway of your life. And I think sometimes we look to God, right? And he's got the door open and, he, and he's like, son, daughter, I, I, should, I don't think it's a good idea, right? And, and, and it's like, we're just like, no, you're right. Yeah, you're right. And, and, and we're just like literally like fighting, white knuckling it. And, ah! and then all of a sudden we feel like he's not watching for a second. And it's like, douche, douche. And we take off across that thing. And we, where do we end up? We end up in the sticker bushes and the thistles of life. We come back dragging our tail. But how many, aren't you thankful for a loving father who will spend a lifetime picking out all the thistles and the sticker bushes and the mess? It's the kind of God that we serve. So I, I want to look at uh, to scripture about this topic of self-control, but it's not just simply self-discipline. It's a combination 
of you pursuing holiness that St. Paul talked about, but it's a combination of that with the Spirit of God. It's called walking by the Spirit. And I want to look at this today. Galatians chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, if not, you can look at the Bible in the sky. You'll see it right here. Galatians 5, verses 22 through 23. Many of you know this. This is the fruits of the Spirit. This is what it says. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which means patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and here it is, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. How do we have better self-control in our life according to Scripture? You know, uh, my friend Roberta is sitting down here. Jewish tradition really teaches us that the fruits of the Spirit really love and self-control are, are, are really the bookends, Right? The bookends of these fruits of the Spirit. And I've taught it before that many theologians even believe that Paul almost wrote them in order. Like these fruits build on each other. The only way you can really have patience in your life is for you to be at first and foremost a peaceful person. For, for, for you to uh, have any kind of kindness in your life, you have to have love first and foremost. And how do you get that love? You experience his love in your life. So like if the fruits of the spirits were like belts in karate, <laughs> self-control would be like the black belt. Do you know what I'm talking about? And I don't know if you've ever taken karate classes, but on day one, they're not going to hand you a black belt. There's like, Eric, isn't there like nine other belts before that, right? And, and so one can argue that literally self-control is the hardest one out of all these. Takes all these other ones first. And with me, like nine times out of ten, when I screw up, it's usually because I'm lacking self-control, not lacking, uh, you know, kindness or peace. When I mess up, it's usually because I've lost control of whatever I'm dealing with right here. So if that's the case, one could argue that the most beautiful acts of love are displayed through the acts of self-control. We'd all agree that the most loving act that Jesus ever gave us was him dying on the cross for our sins. But the actual act was him having the self-control, the discipline, the willpower not to get off the cross. Right? So really, it's a combination of the spirit at work in us and making intentional decisions to live life through the process of self-control. So it's discipline, but it's also the Holy Spirit working in us. Last year, my daughter and I were in, in the swimming pool, and I was doing the thing where I float on my back. You know what I mean? Don't you love doing that? And she said, Dad, I want to do that, right? And I, and I thought to myself, that's not going to happen this year, you know, but I'll, I'll, I'll help you out. And so I can remember I said, okay, maybe moms, dads, you've done this with your kiddo, you know? And I said, all right, lean back. 
And what's the first thing they start doing? Ah, ah, you know, freaking out, right? And I'm like, okay, calm down, calm down. Okay, now I've got, you, I've got your back, right? And so I start, t- and it's just like, ah, they're flailing, just flailing all around, right? And I'm like, I'm like, honey, you, you have to, you have to, cont- listen, here it is. You have to control yourself so I can help you. Like, you have to participate in this, right? And so it, and you know what? For a while, it, you know, for a few minutes, it, it took, it took her, you know, testing it out. Seeing if I really would help her. Trusting me. It, it was a process. How, how many of you know that trusting in God is a, is a journey? It's a process of, of maybe tested and, and seeing how he does. He'll never let you go. But man, maybe you'll get to a place where you can just lean back and control yourself so that he can fully help you and hold you up. We got to the point at the end of the day where I had like one finger like in the middle of her back and she was just like laid out and she was just loving it, man. Well, what's that all about? It required her doing her part. It required her to relax herself, get control of her limbs and to trust her old man to hold her and help her. And this is exactly the process of self-control for the believer. It's us doing our part. It's us being disciplined enough. It's us participating and controlling ourselves to the best of our ability because how many of you know you actually do have control of yourself, right? Don't let anyone say, oh, I don't, I can't do it. I'm, I'm just completely out of control. I'll never kick this habit. I'll ne- no, 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 no. You, you have power over your flesh, friends. If you miss everything that I say this afternoon, write that down. You have power over your flesh. All right? Take some self-discipline. Take some extra trust in him. So the question is, what needs to precede self-control. Let's see what scripture says here. Second Peter chapter one, verses five through six. <laughs> this is what it says. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge, meaning the knowledge that leads to self-control. So what needs to precede self-control? Knowledge. Knowledge of what? That's what I want to talk about today. What knowledge do we need, according to the scriptures, to really live this out? If you're taking notes, write this down. I want to talk about three areas that we need to get knowledgeable about that deal directly with self-control. Here's the first one. You're going to need knowledge in this area. Know your appetite. Write that down. Know your appetite, meaning what do you crave? What does your natural flesh crave? What are your struggles? What are your predispositions? Listen to me. Just because you said yes to Jesus, just because you're a follower of Jesus, doesn't mean that your cravings and your appetites magically disappear. Your flesh remains with you. And there's so many people that, that, that get hung up on this, like, I said yes to Jesus, but I still struggle with A, B, and C. Of course you do. It doesn't make you a bad person. It just means you're human. But I'm so grateful that the same power 
that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you and you through him partnering with the spirit, you can overcome. But it requires you speaking it out, knowing what it is that you, your, your natural flesh, flesh pulls you to. It's not about er, er, eradicating your appetites. It's about being aware of them. What are your appetites? Know what they are. And each and every one of us have different ones and different levels of each one. It's important to know what your appetites are so that you can be proactive regarding it. Galatians 5, verse 16. Look what Paul writes here. He says, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So, it, so to overcome, it requires, there's a requirement of walking by the Spirit, to walk by the Spirit. What does that, you say, okay, I'm all about that, but what does that mean? Well, what that truly means, is it means like yielding yourself over to his control. When you're walking by the Spirit, it, it, it means allowing him to lead you. It, 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 it means um, not resisting the things that he has for you. This is an area of my own life where if I'm not careful, if I'm not being very intentional about it, I can catch myself resisting what the Spirit has for me. Have you ever been there before? And that's connected to maybe your flesh or your appetites. And so walking by the Spirit is saying, ah, it's painful, but you're right. You're right, God. Go ahead and work on me. I'm going to follow you. This is the process of walking by the Spirit. So the question is, what else can we do to keep us from giving into our appetites? I grew up here. Many of you know I grew up here in Tacoma. And uh, my grandfather was a pastor. He was not a fisherman, okay? But he thought he was. Do, do, do you know any people like that? That's, that, that was my grandfather. He, he, was, he was in the ministry. He was not in the fishing business. But he loved it, and he loved to take me. And I can remember being a little guy and someone in the church gave him, probably like for a tax write-off, you know what I'm talking about, like an old dump boat. It was wooden, and the thing was, he, he spent more money just trying to get the thing to start. Do you know what I'm talking about? And, we, you know, I'm, you know I, I, there's years off of my life just from the inhalation of, of the diesel fuel, that kicking up in that old wooden boat. But he loved this old boat. We kept it parked down in Commencement Bay. This is a side note, but I can remember when we'd be coming back in and he was going to park it, the, the, there would be, bo I kid you not, Brian, there would be bo boat owner. I could see him running down from the parking lot to like make sure that like he didn't, a, a pastor, okay, careful, now move it. And literally like covering their boats. And I mean, it was just, it was like Mr. Magoo on a wooden, that was just my grandpa and I loved him. But I can remember when I was real little, probably, I don't know, five or six years old, he would take me, you know, and he'd have like nine life jackets on me. You know what I mean? And one thing that he would do is in the boat, there was kind of like this, I don't know what it was. There was like, a, like something that stuck out of the boat that you could, you know, cut fish on. But there's a pole. And, and that man would literally tie a rope to the pole into <laughs> the back of my life jacket. Like he was not, <laughs> he was not taking any risk, right? So I can remember being like five years old. You know what I mean? And, and, and fish on, you know what I mean? And my uncle or someone would have like a, never a salmon. It was always a dogfish, you know what I mean? And fish on, right? And I'd be five. And if that's the end of the boat, I would be like, 
right? And I'd be like, you know, like, I, I want to see, you know? And, and everyone else is hanging over the side. And I can remember, like, be, like can't see. And all of a sudden, they pull it in. I was like, ah, right? Now, here's the question. Was my grandfather doing that to be mean to me? Oh, we don't want him to be able to experience looking over the side of the boat to see the fish coming in. No, no. We want to keep him tied up. No. Why did he do that? Well, he was protecting me from myself. Protecting me from my own demise because I was too young. I didn't understand. I was not... I didn't have the capacity, right? I couldn't even swim, and he understood that. So what did he do? He tied me down to the boat. And sometimes you need something. Someone say something. Sometimes you need something to prevent you from self-destruction. How many of you know that we live in a country... Nobody in here, but people out there, they drive really fast on the freeway. Do you you know what I'm talking about? None of us, we all go by the speed limit, but there's people that exceed it, sometimes are even reckless. And did you know that our government is aware of this? It's a pretty neat thing. To the point that they, on some areas of the freeway, especially coming around a corner, they put up these things called guardrails. It's a novel idea. Because how many of you know that there's some of us that push it just a little too hard and we can get out of control? And how many of you know that those guardrails have saved thousands and thousands of people's lives over the years? Right? The chance of death drops dramatically when the guardrails are up. And just like the freeway, how many of you know that we need spiritual guardrails in our own lives? It's so important. We need spiritual guardrails in our life to help reduce the risk of falling back into that appetite. And I've, and I've sat with so many people who they, who, who they love God, but they, they never established any guardrails in their life. We talked through it, and I failed again, pastor, right? So what do we do? We put up these guardrails. What do they look like? Well, practical. Um, if, you know, you struggle with lust and you like buffalo wings, probably you shouldn't buy them from Hooters, okay? <laughs> buy them from somewhere else. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just saying. Just if you, it's a spirit, it's just a spiritual guardrail, right? If, if you have a natural uh, inclination to gossip, maybe you want to switch the playdate playground that you go to every other Thursday, right? They're just, just practical little guardrails that, to help you in this area. You got to know your appetites. Here's the second one. We're okay. Know your accountability. Know your accountability. One of the greatest tools, one of the greatest guardrails that will help you live out the fruit of self-control is accountability, period. 
You need someone, or I would even say someones, <laughs> to help you out who's in your life, who's calling you, asking the tough questions, the uncomfortable questions. I'm telling you, none of us want this. But man, we need it. Know your accountability. Before I got married, I, uh, I, I, this is a true story. I owned a Harley. Yeah, true story. I had a motorcycle. Do I have a, I don't even want to know if I want to show this picture, but oh, look at that dude. That dude is... That dude is cool, all right? That's a cool dude, all right? That's, that's, uh, that's what I was, man. And then part of the agreement, you know, was if you're going to marry me, you got to sell that thing. So that thing was sold <laughs> the day after I proposed, right? And so this is kind of my life now. Look at this picture. There it is. That's, that's kind of my, that's kind of the... <laughs> Yeah, seasons of life, you know. That's, that's my hard, hardcore life right there. I was thinking about that, you know. Your helmet protects the most vulnerable part of your body, your head. In fact, the, the, the statistics as far as death on a motorcycle drop dramatically for people that actually wear a helmet, you know. And I was thinking about that today, or excuse me, this week when I was thinking about this, this thought of accountability. You know, just like your head, just like your brain, like, man, you need, some, you need some other helmets, spiritual helmets in your life, protecting the most vulnerable areas of your life. It's called friends and accountability. Put the helmet on. Put the helmet on. And here's the thing. There's no coincidence that right after the fruit's of the Spirit are listed, Paul, this is so cool, Paul literally starts talking about accountability. So he, he lists the fruits of the spirits out, and then he goes on to teach on accountability. So I'm not just making this stuff up here, all right? Like, like this is the process here. here. Here's what it is. He ends with self-control, and if you read between the lines, he's almost like, oh, this is where everyone's going to get upset. Now, I need to talk about how they can live out this thing, and he goes right into accountability. Look at Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 2. He says, brothers and sisters, this is huge, by the way. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person as mean as you can. You need to go off on them. You need to take them out behind the shed and just wail away on them. I, I can't believe you'd do that. No. You need to restore that person gently. Someone say gently. Because it's going to come to you sometime. But watch yourselves. Or you also may be tempted to carry, to be tempted, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Do you want to live out self-control in a sustainable way? Know your accountability. Here's a third one as the band comes back, and that is know your attributes. Know your attributes. And I won't spend too much time on this one, but this is simply, no, what, what are attributes? Attributes are those inherent God-given gifts that you're born with, that as you work, they get stronger. Each and every one of us is, is given a measure of some type of gifts or giftings and they're your attributes. And, and, and here's the thing that I want to leave you with, and that is our strengths at times 
can and will always become your weakness if they aren't properly harnessed. So what does that look like? My wife, for example, she can walk into a room and, and, and in a, like almost instantaneously say, move this here, do that, on, on a shoestring budget too, and just like totally overhaul it and make it awesome when it's all done. I go, how did you do, how did you turn our living room into that? It's awesome. I didn't, we didn't even spend any money. She just has a gift like that. It's, it's a strength she has, but she has to be careful, and we talk about this, that, that if that's not harnessed, she can become critical, Right? Like she can walk in and, and, and get so old, like, oh man, and, and then if it doesn't work out, she's just like upset or something like that. So it's something that she's got to work on. For me, uh, I, I have the gift of, I have a lot of gifts, by the way. No, I'm kidding. Um, I, one of the gifts that I have is I can, I can remove my, my personal, personal emotion out of a, um, a problem or a situation simply based on the data. Meaning I, I look at the data or the information given to me and I have this, I have this ability of like removing the way I feel about it. Do you know what I'm talking about? To, to make the right decision, right? And, and I honed this because I, my brother, one of my brothers is special needs. And there were so many times in my life where I, I had to remove how hurt I was by someone who was treating him poorly or, or how, how I felt, because if, if I would have allowed just the emotions to take over, I would have reacted in a negative way. So I, 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 I honed this gift of like removing the emotion out of the situation from time to time so I could make the right decision, decision based on whatever the situation is. The problem with that is every once in a while, you gotta feel the way the person feels, especially in my role. I can't just every time just go, emotion gone. This is what you need to do. No, no, no. There's times where that, that's a good thing to do. There's crisis, but there's other times where it's like, I'm with you. I don't have the answer, but I feel you. Right? I'm with you. Sometimes our strengths, our attributes, can become our biggest weaknesses if they're not harnessed. Right? I could go on list and list and list of other ways that we really work this muscle of self-control. But at the end of the day, it's not just about self-discipline. It's not just about rolly white-knuckling it at the front door. Because I feel like a lot of us do that. And then and we can't take it, we just... And we think God has turned his back on us and all of these things. No, no, no. It's you at the front door doing your part, listening to your father. And if he walks off, you walk off with him, right? It's the only way this works. So today I just wanted to encourage you, encourage you in this. We, we all, we all can work this muscle. We can all be better in this area. I know I can. This is the hardest thing for me. All right, bow your heads across this auditorium. I just want to pray for you. Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church.